Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creative Insider Podcast number 89 with me, Georgi Leshtarsky. Today's guest is back again because he was on podcast number 30, and that's Oli Thomas. Oli Thomas is a computational design expert at Big London, and he is one of the co-founders of the Architect Network. The Architect Network is a series of dialogues on Clubhouse, and they're also to be found on YouTube, which are regarding business of architecture, architecture technology, and um, all the digital side of architecture. So if you're interested into this topic, I suggest you to go check in the link of the description of this episode so that you can find more about it. Uh, as I said, this is the second time that Ollie is on the podcast, so if you want to hear more about his background and how he become who he is today, just go check the episode number 30. Also, warmly suggest you to go check our YouTube channel where you can watch this podcast and you'll find more exclusive video content. And um, in the next weeks and in the next months, there will be more and more to be found on there. So really make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel in order to get all the exclusive content. You'll be able to get more exclusive content also on all our social media channels, as you have noticed. There are no more shortcasts on the audio platforms, so you'll find also short clips and short reels of our episodes, so make sure to check out on our Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn. In LinkedIn, you'll find also some more longer clips of the podcast. And also we're back on Twitter because Twitter has now Twitter spaces and also it's the platform to get informed about NFT. So make sure to follow us on our social media platforms in order to get our content. We have also a newsletter where you can get some freebies if you subscribe, such as the folder to organize your project. But enough for me. Thank you very much and enjoy the conversation with Oliver Thomas. The more world stops just like that. Oli, welcome back to the podcast, finally. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be, good to be back. It's been more than a year since you've been on the first uh, time. It was like episode 30 or 40 or something 30? like that. Uh, 30, I remember. It was, uh, it was a good... Uh, you were on our 30th. Uh, so we're, that was all kind of lucky numbers. Yeah, the first time we talked, um, the Archi Architect network wasn't uh, yet on right it didn't yeah it didn't exist i'm trying to think exactly when uh when was that that was it was in 2021 right uh when we talked the first yeah. october 2020 oh, man. october or november 2020 i mean we've been talking about uh, not on a, on a podcast and once on, on your on your platform yeah yeah that's crazy um so yeah after you know um a few months in 2020 well, it's, it's been something i was like thinking about for a while um to create some kind of platform to teach and talk about architecture and technology and uh i think 
2021 seemed like a good time. There was like a lot of change uh, in my life. And I was like, oh, let's let's just do it. And then really what, you know, I've been talking about it and we start to formulate a bit of a plan um, of like, you know, how we're going to do it. Our goal was always to do online courses, but we thought before we get there, let's, you know, what else can we do? And, and then, you know, after doing a few podcasts, I thought, why don't we do our own podcast? And then before you know it, Clubhouse came around and the whole Clubhouse uh, uh, hype was growing. And we just thought, well, it's so easy to just jump on Clubhouse. You can, you can literally just be in your pajamas and chilling out on your sofa and, you know, you can start up a conversation. And so we thought, well, we can get started now by just doing Clubhouse. And, and I thought, well, let's just do 10 Let's do one a week for 10. Let's just see if we can get to 10 episodes. And uh, yeah, we got to 10 and we had some really great people on and um, it just kind of grew from from there. So yeah, we started with the podcast. We, we're on 34 today. We'll be doing one later today on number 34. We'll be talking about video games and architecture. And a few months ago in October, we started our YouTube channel. So we're slowly kind of producing more youtube quick videos, you know, stuff like quickly how to use Rhino Inside, what is Revit, what has been, what is the metaverse and all this kind of stuff. And we're soon about to release like our third kind of platform, which will be our website and uh, online courses. And we're going to do like a Grasshopper 101 masterclass uh, which we'll we'll break the news here if you if you wanna or if you wanna we'll we'll announce it essentially. It sounds great, and uh, you're not you're not doing this uh, by yourself alone. You have also some other guys on, like your yeah. uh, t trilogy of people. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, mo the the front mans. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, this it started with my myself and a guy called Guillaume who's um we were both working at big at the time uh he was on the kind of he's been a designer for a number of years and but he's also been that computational guy that people went to in the office and uh he transitioned to become a computational specialist I was a BIM specialist at the time and uh we kind of combined forces and together me and him were teaching grasshopper in the office and, you know I was obviously teaching BIM and some Fologram and, and Enscape and, you know, stuff like that. And we got talking, we were often talking about the same thing and the same challenges. So we thought, oh, let's, let's do something together and create a platform. I, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I was like, hey, would you be interested? And so, you know, Guillaume and I started to think about courses and that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, Faisal was also in the clubhouse space and he was one of the first people to interview me along a little little while ago now and um you know he, i thought he would be a great addition to have as well so then the three of us kind of got together and then we started the first podcast and then we've just been slowly building from there i've been once uh on the on the show too as you mentioned before yeah. but i've been on a very particular i think it was a little bit of a different um episode than the usual because we right. were quite a few people on on, yeah. the, on the stage and but usually it works like um you have your clubhouse uh and um every weekend 
you have a an expert on and you and Faisal and Guillaume, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not yeah, pronouncing wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult name. I call him, I called him Gilliam for ages. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, my name. Um, yeah. But basically you guys interview like, um, or talk to people from yeah. different uh, fields of expertise related to architect and uh, business. We, yeah, we, we pick a topic or a, or a, or a person or a combination of the two and, you know, discuss it, uh, basically on clubhouse. And, um, yeah, I think the one you joined was a first experiment with having quite a few people, which is a bit more difficult because, you know, but you can ask maybe three or four questions by the time everyone's gone through it. But we also kind of wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, like the, the, cl the clubhouse movement, all the people that are on clubhouse, should we stay or should we go? And, you know, that kind of thing. So, Uh, but you know, it was kind of fun and we'll get you on again, I think for, uh, for more of a focused kind of, uh, online platform podcasting, uh, focused one. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we try and do them every week. We, we slow down a little bit because we're focusing on a bit more on the YouTube side and, um, you know, getting this, these courses done. because that, that's the ultimate goal was to get to creating courses so people can actually learn uh how to you know use grasshopper how to use revit and all these tools that we need but yeah loosely we we talk about anything within the intersection of architecture and technology hence the name architect and we also added in like a third component of entrepreneurship because i think that's a big part of the industry that's that's really lacking And, you know, what, the reason why we started the, the Architect Network was because I, I felt that we kept seeing very similar things, like as a specialist, you know, um, or an architect that's just, just digitally uh, fluent and, and digitally thinking. There's, there's still a huge gap between university and practice. Uh, you know, what you're taught in university can not necessarily reflect what you need to, to practice. And that goes in both spectrums. Like some people are taught like, um, you know, a particular software because the Dean of the school particularly likes that software, but, but really not that many people use it. And then you got another end of the spectrum where you get like kids are coming out using Houdini and, and, um, um, you know, maybe blender and things like that, which are really cool, powerful tools. But unfortunately, like if you get a job tomorrow, you're not going to be using them. And they've like never opened Revit, for example, or stuff like that. So we felt that there was a big gap for students. And also just in general, we're, we're as architects, we're really slow to adopt technology. And we're the kind of, we're at the pointy end of technology adoption in the AEC industry. So like, you know, I feel like the, the construction industry is even further behind behind us. And, you know, um, so, yeah, we thought it was, it was something that was lacking a little bit. Um, so we wanted to kind of teach things from the perspective of actually working in practice as well, you know. No, totally. I've seen um, because you, you mentioned you have lately started a YouTube channel, which is actually going quite well from what I noticed. And I've been um, I've been working on also like putting every single episode on my YouTube channel, and so yeah. 
Um, I've seen uh, the video where you did a sort of an overview of the softwares that are available within the architecture mm -hmm. industry. And I, I thought that was the most, um, like, um, the most uh, honest one, let's say, because when you Google on, like, when you look on YouTube for, like, I don't know, architecture softwares, and they are these videos where um, there are everybody saying, you should learn this software and this, so which software should you learn this year? which they never change so quickly. As you said, we are quite slow industry yeah. and there is no software you should actually learn. It depends on a lot of factors. And I think your overview yeah. was more like showing, okay, these are uh, the upsides and the downsides of every single piece of software that it's used for different. It's like, uh, should I use a, you should use learning, a, um, you should learn how to use a hammer or a screwdriver, it's just two completely different things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope. And it is, a, it is a difficult subject because, you know, everyone tells you different things and, and, you know, people have different, you know, approaches to architecture that define different tools. But, but really, you know, one of the other things we launched was a feature called Project Programs where we, we go and ask loads of different architects what programs they use to develop a project and you know like 100 percent so far use rhino uh as as their modeling tool so it's like <laughs> there is a lot out there but there's also like a lot of repetition uh you see people using the same stuff so um yeah i think that that was definitely one of our one of our like goals to demystify these things a little bit yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to be to be seeing more of a video content, and uh, um, I don't know how it is going on on Clubhouse because I it was inspired uh, by by your channel, and we did one. We call it Digital Aperitivo because it had to be more like our thing. And due to the fact that I was living in Italy, there it's very popular to have aperitivo like at five and not maybe tea, oh, yes. <laughs> not maybe <laughs> tea like in England, uh, but. Um, um, I didn't have much experience and it was more interesting for me when I was on on Archi, Architect Network because you were guys more like I missed the first hype because I was refusing to to use an iPhone. I have a, yeah, an yeah. Android phone. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, so that was, yeah, I guess for people that, that may not uh, know what that was, was like, so when Clubhouse first came out, I think, you know, there was this big hype in uh at the beginning of 2021 and and you know the developers were obviously just catching up like i don't think people i think clubhouse was like released at the perfect moment for it where we'd gone into that second lockdown it was the delta variant right people were at home and you know looking for that human connection and then this this app came out <laughs> where you could talk to people and, and like be in a room together but it was also not as intrusive as like being in front of a camera, you didn't need to like get ready. And, you know, you could literally be lying in bed and having conversations with, with Elon Musk. Like it was ridiculous at the, at the beginning. Uh, but they, yeah, they were obviously catching up. And for a long time we had people reaching out and, you know, first of all, you had to have an invite, which wasn't too bad because we were, because we were an active group, we were getting them. But then it was only accessible. They hadn't made the, the Android version till a lot later on. So it, it was like, it, there was a period where it was like, you can see the, the channel was growing a little bit, 
but there was people that were just stuck. And and one of our other goals was like, we want to make it as accessible to people as possible. That's why we made a YouTube channel and, you know, did that. And, and so, but at the beginning clubhouse was like, they were struggling to keep up with the crazy hype and demand. So yeah, it took, took a little while to get you, to get you on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, what I've noticed is like what was the initial problem of my podcast because uh, the first episodes uh, even until up to the 30th I didn't you know it's hard to figure out something new like recording a podcast what are the best tools and stuff right. and there was not this video component and when you talk to somebody um, video is very important because you can st like talking in person of course is the best way because you not only can feel how they look like but they can you can also feel the vibe in the room the body language and yeah. and when you have the camera at least like if you start talking i don't know for 10 minutes and you see me i'm like bored or <laughs> something you you're like, like stop <laughs> like you'll stop or or do something and um i think on clubhouse it was very it's like very very a little bit chaotic gets chaotic because when like people talk and they talk like they it felt like people go there to talk or just to listen but if they talk they talk a lot <laughs> uh, so, yeah and um so i'm curious are you are you because you you told you were maybe planning to do some slight transition or um something different but also the powerful part of your platform and i think your audience is very engaged exactly because it started as a platform where everybody could come on stage and ask questions which is yeah the the downside of of my podcast is recorded and nobody can ask a question um so yeah. what would be for you a different direction you were talking about video how would you do it maybe a group call where everybody can decide to whether turn on the webcam or not yeah i don't i don't think it's we definitely want to add a video po podcast component and i think um you know it might be in addition to so we do maybe one one video like one one traditional clubhouse one um for a little bit we were, we were thinking about combining it so like maybe the the you know the people that myself Guillaume and Faisal and, and our guests could be on online uh like on a zoom but then we're also uh on clubhouse so people can tune in and and like ask questions and that kind of stuff so yeah we've been thinking about that for a while I think just Clubhouse is kind of, um, it's one, it's tricky because I moved, uh, you know, since we talked, I've moved from New York to, to London. I'm now in my, uh, I've been in my new apartment for a week. Um, hence why I'm doing the video this way, because this is like, this part of the apartment's finished, but the rest is like uh, <laughs> boxes and crap. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, anyways. Yeah, it's like, it's like a stage. This is all uh, set up, but the rest is all uh behind the scenes but um yeah I, th I think it was just so i moved and and clubhouse is based on your phone number and i i still have my us phone number but i'm having to pay for it just to keep my my clubhouse account and you cannot switch it so that's one thing that's annoying because my profile is then links to the architect network profile i can create a new one with a new number and then I have to delete my old one, but then you, you delete all the people that you've built up that follow you and you bring in, you know, so that kind of stuff. So, and, and also clubhouse is just, 
I think it it's slowed down a, a fair bit. Um, I'm definitely interested to see. There's a part of us that like we started on Clubhouse, so I'm really reluctant to, you know, completely leave it behind. But also, I just it's not developing quite at the speed, and you know, I can't even change the phone number that it's linked to, which is super annoying. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're definitely kind of throwing. I think we'll definitely have a video element in, in a video podcast, but we we might like we'll have a traditional, uh, you know, our traditional podcast, and then something else. Like I think Faisal might create a podcast specifically that that he'll lead, and you know, we'll we'll have a bit of a mix. Maybe maybe a good option when when you were like describing what could be the options. Uh, I was thinking that one cool idea would be for you to maybe do a Twitch or YouTube live stream, because the powerful thing, as I said, from the whole platform is that uh, um, the people are very like connected because they feel like they can they can um, uh, they can interact with you. And then yeah. I see that, I don't know, your channel grew so quickly to a thousand subscribers and on Instagram, you're doing good. And um, and uh, when you create a new platform, you can see that these people are coming and following. So that's uh, that's a very good thing. And I think maybe Twitch or I don't know, ex I don't know myself exactly which platform, which advantages and disadvantages has into streaming um what yeah. is what is youtube better for and what is twitch better for but yeah that people can and i think when you're live and streaming you can always bring on people that are willing to 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 participate so maybe that would be that would be an yeah option. i think that there is something in that like you know maybe youtube live in video but then you've got clubhouse on some kind of audio or something well after like 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 you i think like you mentioned there is a technical side to it. Like our first 18 talks, we we didn't record because our clubhouse prevented you from recording it. And then I bought all this, like this little audio equipment thing that was like, at the time that was like, this is how you record. And you got to like, honestly, you're there with like a thousand wires. You plug your phone into this connector and then you're, you're connected to your computer. And then you've got like this switchboard. And it, I was... <laughs> I was there for a day trying to get it work. I was like, this is too <laughs> painful. And then we found an app where you could record whilst doing it, but now it records anyway. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's a, there's a little bit of technicality to the, you know, how to actually do it and do it well. Like, you know, you're all geared up with the microphone and the, the headset now, which uh, we need to catch up on that. So. Oh, I can I can give you suggestions because in order to figure out yeah. what is good and what is wrong, I had to uh, read a bunch, uh, look a bunch of videos, and uh, uh, I had some gear that it was really good, but I didn't use it because I didn't know how to use it. And uh, now yeah. that I started video, I'm planning to gear up also on the video wise, but uh, uh, it requires money too, so I'm like first trying to yeah. maybe <laughs> to maybe make it it's work not, it's not cheap all this stuff is it <laughs> no 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 especially if you want but i i can tell you this what i've learned so far is that it's better that you buy directly what is like for example the most expensive piece of gear 
um, but you know that you're gonna serve you like well on long term because if you buy yeah. something cheap then you're just gonna end up buying the expensive one at some point because yes. uh, because it doesn't work and uh, no, yeah. Um, so yeah I, I like I have to sell some stuff I have to try to sell some stuff that I bought and then I regret buying buying them because uh, yeah you're on a Facebook marketplace that's where I've been going crazy on Facebook marketplace buying all this furniture and stuff secondhand. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a great place. It's a great place for furniture at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've sold uh, a camera or something uh, a few days ago and uh, it worked. I think it's like Facebook. It's now useful for <laughs> for this kind of stuff. I think it's more yeah, it's more useful for that than. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you mentioned exactly this you've moved uh, a lot has changed uh, you've moved uh, to from new york back to the uk after a long time because before that you've been uh, in asia in hong kong if i'm not wrong yeah 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 then new york and now you're still at big but at the london office so how is for you personally to to be back at home after such a long time and yeah. uh, how come that this decision and is it so um seamless to move from one office of of big to the other yeah yeah so um yeah it's a lot of i posted the other day so it's it's a, it's a year of a lot of change you know like good and bad um we started architect network and uh that's been really fun to kind of throw myself into it so like the start of, start of the year definitely uh was it was a crazy start like i came i went back home in 2020 to 21 christmas new years uh it was like quite got home and then the, the uk went on lockdown so like you know just stayed with my family caught up with friends that i could you know within the rules and then um i came back to to new york and then um because at that time if you remember the uk was like you know, crazy with this Delta variant, but, but the US and New York hadn't come there yet. So like, if you were coming from the UK, you had to quarantine for 14, 14 days. And I had to quarantine, like my, my girlfriend at the time was in the apartment. So like I had to quarantine without getting like contact with her too much. And uh, so yeah, I, I, I posted the other day, I came out of that on February 1st, and I just moved into this place, uh, and my first, like, um, you know, February 1st was like last week. And I remember coming out of quarantine and it was like snowing. The whole of New York was like white snow. And, uh, I was like, went to the gym for the first time in ages. And I was like, man, it was a fresh, fresh start. I'd also, you know, me and my, my ex, we'd broken up. Well, my girlfriend then we'd broken up we were like uh, one of the covid uh <laughs> covid breakups and uh so i came out of this quarantine broken up like i've been stuck in this bloody room for ages i just finished like a project at work and it was like super crazy so it was like that was the fresh start that's also when we kind of then i think we had a first podcast with architect network at the end of february so we're coming up for our anniversary so february was like a lot of a lot of change. Uh, yeah, girlfriend and I split up. And then I, I decided that, um, you know, I've been thinking about coming back to the UK for a little while. I mean, she was part of the reason I was there, but also, you know, to work, uh, I got off the job at Big. And so, uh, you know, at that point, I'd been away for 
you know, nine years. I, I left the UK in 2012 and went to Hong Kong uh, for about three, four years, then uh, been in the US since. I, ha- I can't, had a bit of time in 2018. I had to come back and do visas and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, a, lo- a lot of change. And uh, I decided, you know what, I'll see out the summer in New York and just, you know, uh, focus on on work a little bit, put some effort into this architect network thing, just enjoy uh, the New York summer. And then, you know, I've been thinking about coming back to the UK for the last few years, just like, you know, could I, could I come back? It's, I was kind of missing, missing the UK, you know, I've obviously been away from friends and family for a, a long time and it just kind of all came together. And, and as I was thinking this and, you know, early 2021 and, and summer, the London office had boomed um, through, you know, they, for various reasons, they had a few products that had come into the office and really grown. And I think they started the pandemic around 30, 40 people. And today we are about 110 or around 100. So the London office really grew. We've just moved into a new office and they were really struggling on the BIM side as well as, you know, computation and stuff like that. They've been looking for like a someone to manage it and weren't finding uh, quite the right character. And so then, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'll, I'll go for once. I don't need a bloody visa. You know, I've, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a citizen. So like that side is super easy because that's been like the bane of my life for the last few years. Um, and uh, yeah, it just kind of all came together then. So I left New York in September. I spent a month just a bit of time to transition and uh, work on ATN, but also I, I tried the nomadic working lifestyle. Went, you know, had a month in, went to Chicago, then a couple of weeks in Portugal. Then I went a week in, um, in the Alps in uh, Switzerland, uh, which is another story in itself. Like I'm not too convinced about this nomadic lifestyle, but um, <laughs> I tried it at least. And uh, yeah, I came came across to London and um, it's been really great to be home. It's really hard to find an apartment. It was just like crazy, you know, people are coming back to the city. So everyone's like looking for apartments. But um, I think the easiest part was transitioning to a, you know, office, um, even though, you know, it was inside big. So it's not like I was, you know, the, the guys from London had seen, you know, I present to the London office as well about what we're doing in augmented reality or, or BIM and stuff like that. So I wasn't like un, a, a completely new face, but at the same time, it was quite cool to, you know, see, join the office. I joined the office when we moved into our new uh, space here in, in London. So it was kind of a perfect, fresh start. New office is really full of exciting people and, uh, new projects so it's been really really um great so far i'm really enjoying the london office it's got its own unique culture and um you know i think i've joined at a time where it's like they're growing and people are f- f- thirsty for upping their bim and, and computational skill sets and but then at the same time you have like the metaverse going on uh, the nfts and all this kind of stuff so there's just so much there's so many cool things going on in, you know, architecture and technology space. 
uh, there's lots to, to keep you busy with. But yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of change. I feel like this is the first weekend I've been in this apartment. So it's like, it's still taking some time to kind of settle in, but, um, but yeah, it's been, you know, moving is always, it always takes more out of you than you think, but it's good now. It's good to be settled. And first weekend, I'm doing a podcast with you, so it's all good. So we are opening the new apartment. That's, uh, that's uh, very cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, also I saw that before you came back to the UK, you were also a little bit around the the Grand Canyon or am I wrong? Like you were on a, oh, on, a yeah. on a van trip. You said you didn't like so much the, um, or you're not convinced of this uh, digital nomad uh, life. <laughs> uh, how come? Why so? Like what was, uh, what was the, you, you weren't working so much probably. You were more enjoying the local place. So, I mean, that trip I went to, the, the one you're talking about in the van, I decided to take a, uh, 10 days and, and go and drive around, um, you know, Utah and Arizona in America, which is one of the most incredible landscapes I've ever, like, I have to give the Americans, they've, they've got some incredible national parks and, you know, one of them you would travel across the world to go and see, and they've got like, you know, literally 10 all within, you know, a few hours of each other. So, you know, like arches, Canyon lands. Um, then you can go on the other side of Utah and you've got Bryce Canyon, Zion and all this kind of stuff. If you've ever, you know, been on Instagram and seen those hiking stuff, I'd say like 90% of them are from Arizona. Uh, sorry, uh, Utah and Arizona. So my, um, my antidote to, to going through a breakup was like, I just went traveling. So yeah, well, that's <laughs> in a, the U S that's a good antidote. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, at the time it was difficult to travel outside the U.S. because of pandemic and also my uh, visa it was tricky to move in and out during the, the travel bans and everything. But America's a huge place. So I went, you know, did a bit of skiing and went on this Utah trip. But yeah, in between from London to, to New York or New York to London, I did spend that month in, in Europe. I'm like super excited to be back on the doorstep of Europe. It's, you just can't, you can't beat, uh, you know, all the different places Europe has and how easy it is to get there. And so, yeah, I went to Portugal for a couple of weeks and, and, and uh, Switzerland and, you know, I was doing a bit of, bit of stuff. I was like trying to do stuff on architect network and had a few like uh, talks and things that I did, but I found that it's, One is like your life revolves around finding the internet. That's good. <laughs> Because like, yeah. <laughs> there's a few things in this transition that I found are critical to being pretty productive. One of them is fast internet because I, I, the, the place I moved into in, in New York had fiber optic internet. So I, I got used to like, you know, really high internet speeds where I'm like uploading a massive video and it's like, a few minutes to then go and like my home in Surrey. And then, you know, I was out in Portugal and, and you're traveling around the internet was like an upload speed of 0.3 megabytes. So, so then like you upload a video and it, it goes from like five minutes to five to 10 hours, or you just leave it overnight. And like, so finding internet was like the bane of, of my life. Um, And then also, you know, 
I think it, it is difficult with, with architecture because you're, you're like, you need a good computer and stuff like that. It's you, you need a little bit of your setup, right. To, to kind of do your, do your stuff. And whilst I could get some stuff done, you know, I, I went to like a beach bar for a few days and just did some work, but you know, it's still, um, it's still not the most optimal way. I, I think like I much prefer have a base, you know, at home or your co-working space or office or whatever it is, that's where you are in work mode and then work really hard and take a week off and go and travel and just enjoy traveling. I think that, that to me works a little bit better or you, you know, you do more sustained traveling. Like you spend, if you were to go full nomad, you spend three months in a, in, you know, go to Costa Rica and go to one of these co-working spaces, you know, the internet's good and, and you can set up your setup and then you travel somewhere else three months later and, and you, you know, you surf in the morning and, and work. Maybe that would work, but yeah, what I was doing was like one month of traveling and working and it just, I mean, it was great to travel. And then you also, you then end up like, I could go and see this today, but I actually need to finish this thing. So then you start like, should I spend my time like maximizing what I see traveling or should I maximize it like working in the two worlds I found just don't mix that well. Totally. I, I can give you a, another way because when I was at home for Christmas, my dad showed me this very funny YouTube channel. It's called Steps Over. And this yeah. uh, it's an Italian couple that they've basically been traveling and they've done crazy trips in motorbikes. Like they've, they've traveled from Italy to... Right. To the middle of asia i don't know like some crazy stuff and then ship the motorbikes back with the ship and stuff and um they they were so passionate about it that they sell sold everything they had and they bought a truck yeah. like a former yeah. military truck and they themselves for two years uh rent like a hunger and build it as a house and basically now they travel and they live <laughs> on books they write about the places they visit and also like they do YouTube and they like because they they track it super autonomous. It's basically uh, running on solar and they just need to fuel. Yeah, and uh, I, I know. And they up upload the videos at, in the parking spots of uh, Walmart, for example. Now they're in the U.S. They've been traveling for five years, and when they need to upload a heavy video, <laughs> they go in Walmart, and you can see yeah. them uh, walking around with the laptop. <laughs> So I know exactly what you're talking about. The whole, I got, you know, I've always been flirting with the van life idea. That's why, you know, I, when I went to do that Utah trip, I rented a van out. You can do it. You can rent a van for a week. It has everything in. Is it expensive? Is it expensive to do that? Uh, it was, yeah, it's not cheap. It's not expensive. It's probably cheaper than like a... Um, a normal holiday, let's say in the US, you, you get a hotel and then you also need a car in the US. So like, you know, by the time you spent a thousand or so on a hotel and then a few hundred on a car, you're probably, it's probably a little bit cheaper, but it's not, it, it worked out cheap for me because uh, <laughs> my flight got delayed um, and they, they booked too many people. And in the US, this happens all the time, but it's, it's great. And I'm sitting on the plane and they go, we'll offer anyone $1,500 if they give up their ticket now and we'll put you on a flight tomorrow. So I was like, 
yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) That basically paid for my holiday. And I was like, uh, you know, I I took a day off extra, but yeah. I, so that, that worked out, but, um, it is definitely worth it. And then you, you save a bit on other stuff, but I know what you mean. Like the, the whole van life thing is, is super interesting. I, I also, when I was traveling, I lived in a van for a bit in New Zealand and did the whole travel around New Zealand thing. And I think it's, it's really cool. Right? And there's something really interesting about that. But for example, one of the days I was doing that Utah trip, uh, the park that I was going to go and check out that day was closed. And I had my drone with me and I was like, let me, one, I make a little drone video for architects about, you know, uh, what I, cause I, I got this little Maverick mini and I thought, I think it's great. And I thought I'd do a little video and like a little vloggy style video. And, you know, it's great to watch. You see like all these like cutouts of the van driving by and you doing all this stuff. But the reality of that is like, you know, especially if you see these, these travel people hiking or driving, right. You have to go set up the camera, turn it on. you got to drive back, <laughs> drive past it. Like then you got to come back, check if the footage is good. Oh, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> like I've got to go back. Yeah. And so just for this one, you know, shot, it's a lot of time. And, and like, it, it does just, I think people watch it and think it's just, you're having a great time and you're just kind of filming as you go along. The reality of it is it's, it's very much like, you know, and, and I think it's set, you know, you, you know, you're, you, you're talking and you're doing a video or whatever it is, it requires a bit of preparation, but I, I just, I think, you know, like that particular thing, like the van lifestyle, it would be great. But I think there is parts where like, I think you work for a day or two and then you actually travel because it's hard to do both at the same time. Um, You know, you're not taking it all in because then you're thinking about like the, the, what are you saying in the camera and like the, the whole story of the video and that kind of stuff. So but yeah, maybe, I mean, that could be a good idea. I could be like a traveling architect network van guy and what, go around visiting universities or touring buildings or some, some shit like that. No, that, that could be definitely an option. Um, and um, you, you have this uh, leverage and this uh, also the reason why you're like probably positioning the podcast in this more tech oriented uh, uh, direction is because you have this uh, um, how do you say this advantage that you work at uh, big which is the office that's probably together with Sahadid probably one of the most uh, on point on this on these topics and you've been now doing uh, over 30 something or 40 something podcasts with different uh, people with uh, people that talk about business people that you have talked a lot about nfts uh, crypto metaverse uh, of course uh, space architecture because big is involved also big time and in this in this yeah. topic um, so what are in your opinion now like the the next uh, trends because i'm very now interested into nft um, because uh, in the beginning when the first uh so to say blow up of nft was like when people got all these millions of dollars right, right. 
um and like it wasn't clear okay you own the art it's so cool but it's probably for very famous artists and then now that i read more into it it's basically a contract and you can you can um apply it in different fields there are the DAOs, which are this uh, decentralized uh, organizations yeah. so what is for you like the wave to catch on because and at which point of the wave are we are we still is it already too late so what what do you know about this topic what is your opinion on this yeah i mean like like we touched on i think that we're in a really interesting time where you've got three three kind of genres coming like coming converging together you've got blockchain and you know that cryptocurrencies nfts this whole movement you then got metaverse this whole virtual worlds and and virtual environments which is obviously linked with things like nfts and and cryptocurrencies that that's going to be the current the way that you buy stuff and create transactions in, in the metaverse and then you've also got video game engines and, and video game the video game industry coming more and more into that for obvious reasons like um a lot of these things are based on game engines and more and more architects are spending time in game engines even architects designing for games uh like we saw with um with zaha and, and uh pug pug i always forget how to pronounce it um and you know i think all of these three uh genres or topics are like converging together and i i think we're very much in the you know every technology goes through the tight uh technology hype curve right there's that initial crazy hype and then there's like this uh the the um trough of disillusionment or, or something like that where like you know for example electric cars right electric cars is a good example like in the i don't know the 60s or 70s it was like all this hype about electric cars, we're all going to be driving electric cars. And then it took 20, 30 years for that to come true. And then it's only in, you know, let's say 2010, 2020, we're actually seeing decent electric car Teslas like on our streets. So I think we're very much in an early stage of like, I think it does have uh, similarities with, if you go and Google like, um, news broadcasters when they're trying to explain the internet it's it's quite similar to like them yeah. talking about the blockchain right yeah it's, it's like it, it's, it feels in the face like when um for example you were explaining like the website specs in the days and there were a lot of these reactions where people were like why would you do a website it doesn't make any sense it's yeah it's a stupid idea and then becomes i think we're still in this stage where when yeah. it's even hard to explain what blockchain and NFT is, and now they're popping out this DAO, and I mean, I've been reading a little bit into it, but technical-wise, I don't know anything. Uh, but I try; I'm starting to understand the principles, but I don't know. There are some uh, loopholes that I still have to get clarified. Yeah, no, I think it's it's exactly that. It's like the the dot com boom where everyone if you're saying you're building a website people were just super excited vcs were like throwing money at you and you know there's like all these websites for everything and out of that bundle there was the the amazons the ebay you know paypal and, and all these other like things that rose from the ashes of <laughs> 
the other failed <laughs> websites and things like that. And I think we're in a similar era for that. Like, let's say NFTs, for example, uh, I think, you know, super exciting movement and this new uh, movement in digital art, this rise in digital art. But, but really, NFTs can be anything. It doesn't have to be linked to art. It's like uh, eBay started out because they sold Beanie Babies. That was their thing, like was was Beanie Babies. You know, like what <laughs> Amazon was like just books, right, for example. So NFTs has kind of gravitated towards art, art d- digital art for one reason and another. Uh, but I think that, you know, I think there's some really interesting things about using NFTs with, with architecture, I think is super interesting, like selling virtual buildings or, or digital buildings or, or digital assets or things that we produce. Um, I think when you think, when you think about the business model of architecture, right? At any firm, even if you're like a, a large firm or a small firm, um, and I, I'd have to ask and see what, what our hit rate is, but like the amount of projects that you design versus actually get built is, is pretty low. I would, I would guess, like um, twenty to thirty percent would be would be pretty good for an uh, for I an artist. I think Bjork has said in one interview that's even way less, way less. Like yeah. it's like yeah. five or two or something like that. Well, I th- yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Cause, uh, so because you have to consider as a project every single client that comes and and says, "Can you make me kind of an idea?" And then you make this really rudimental sketch, and then they just kill it already there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a fun kind of argument that like, okay, if we're not, if only five or 10% is actually built into bricks and mortar, uh, and the rest basically live on these servers, the, the big servers or Zaha servers or Foster servers as like these digital buildings that just sit there, um, does the metaverse then become like a place for us to go and put these unbuilt products or experiment and see how people actually will interact with them. Um, you know, is it a place to, to kind of, uh, you know, create new revenues for the, that unbuilt work? Obviously, you know, there's complications with confidentiality and stuff like that, but there's some, it's quite an interesting argument when you, when you, um, take a step back and realize, I mean, you could argue an architecture firm is, is more a graphic design company than a, than a actual bricks and mortar architecture firm, right? Because most of what we do is, is images and renders and diagrams and stuff like that. And it it never gets translated into built form. So are we, you know, technically are we graphic designers? Like (laughs) obviously that's a bit of a, like a, uh, a kind of, funny argument but like yeah i think you know do, do nf the combination of nfts and, and blockchain there's so many interesting things like does it give us a place for us to create new revenue streams uh by by selling digital work and assets from projects as nfts does it give us opportunity to crowdfund projects can we use cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain to crowdfund future products. And then we, we fund our own stuff. Um, you know, I, 
this afternoon we'll be talking about video games and architecture and i i did my dissertation in 2009 on video games and architecture and i, I my kind of one of the questions was like i mean at the time i grew up it was all about halo like halo was like the game uh, oh, it, it's, 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 it still is a little bit kind of the game it's, yeah i mean halo half-life was like the first game i ever ever kind of played the first shoot em up game i ever played and i thought well how many people have experienced the you know the the built environment in halo for example or or half life or one of the other these other games versus how many people get to go up the the gherkin here in london or like the lloyd's building right and experience it you're probably talking about millions and millions of people on a video game experiencing space this space and this architecture in a video game so you know why why not you know, create, have it as a new space for architects to design for. And and there, ha there have been architects that design for video games and stuff like that. But I think it's only now, 10 years, I did, that was in 2009, more than 10 years later, we're now actually starting to see that a bit more. Um, so yeah, it's, it's too many, too many like potential routes to go down. But um But yeah, I think it's it's a really exciting time, and for sure, we as architects should be paying attention because it's it's something that is in our realm. Like the metaverse is about creating space and and creating forms that people explore, and and so that's that's right in our, our wheelhouse of expertise. Uh, NFTs, I know, is a you know, let's say specifically, let's get into the zone of NFTs and and art pieces and stuff like that. Is this a way that we could? create an additional revenue for, for architecture firms, um, you know, crowdfunding your own projects, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, the NFT space is a bit of an odd one where we're now in like, you know, this era of, of uh, crypto punks and, and these like eight characters and selling for, for millions. And it's, uh, it's all a bit strange, but I'm sure, you know, Some cool stuff will come out of it somewhere along the line. Uh, totally. What fascinates me most so far from the NFT world and the like, like what it has been a little bit of an aha moment lately. It's been that so far we have had all these cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, and all of those most popular one. And the people were like, okay, what is the use? of these cryptocurrencies a part of speculating by buying them and hoping they're going to explode resell them and make a bunch of money but now with this new crypto items that are starting on the blockchain it feels like okay we have had created the currency and now we are creating all the infrastructures within you will need to use this this actual currency and it feels like we're trying to build like a digital crypto copy copy of the world into the it's, it's like we're building the matrix and this is like the first <laughs> the first step I mean, and, and it's 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 like a very scary one also because you know what can can happen and for me the most interesting part of nft is this whole thing where you use nft within um to be a partner you it can be a company it can be a community right It can be, and I was thinking, for example, one use would be to create a decentralized 
um, decentralized, for example, architecture company where you're not like uh, an employee, but you're part of this group and you can yeah. buy different amount of tokens and have different power within the company. And when you quit, you just don't quit and go, but you sell your NFTs and then somebody else. So this could be a very disruptive disruptive way. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a great point. And there's, there's an interesting um, uh, like thing that was going on that um, Mayer brought up to us when we, we had him on our podcast to talk about some of these things. And one of them was called uh, Crypto Baristas or something, Crypto Baristas. And it was like, you know, the same little avatar that, that are making coffee or whatever. But actually behind the image, the, the, the money was going into creating a coffee shop in, in Brooklyn, in New York. And each person that, that bought that NFT or, or owned it had some say in uh, the way that the, the coffee shop was going to be you know, ran and, and, and various things like that, which I think is super interesting as this, you know, I think, yeah, the, the DAOs and the DAO movement of different communities, that's really interesting. And, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot for like, uh, you know, housing and stuff like that. I think it could be really applicable. Um, but, but then on the other hand, I'm, I'm really curious, like how this coffee shop thing is going to turn out because then you, do you have too many chefs in the kitchen and like, Everyone, does everyone have to vote on something? Are we, we going to serve cold brew coffee? And then there's one person that like, I hate cold brew coffee. We're not going to, you know. And then is it just like a, you, you do need someone that's making the decisions, right? So I'm really interested to understand how does that work? Like, you know, if I make a decision, does everyone have to agree on it? Or is it like a majority vote? Or it's just a suggestion that someone makes the decision from you know well from what i understood the nft has encoded encrypted some rights you have and mm. the dao which is basically this decentralized software which just it's they you know every video they compare it like a vending machine in within it has encrypted some other rules so for example the initial rules can be we're gonna um have this certain amount of coffee types. Let's say we're going to sell cappuccino, cold yeah. brew, espresso, Americano, and whatever. And that's unchangeable. Like maybe that's unchangeable. That will never be changed. Or the only condition to be changed, it's going to be like, like the parametric stuff. Like you set up all these rules yeah, and yeah. then you say, okay, run. And, and, and that's the scary part for me because like I, I don't know it it's gonna be feeling like be machine or code controlling people which is weird and has advantages or at, at least I have to get it to the point to understand it to where I say okay it works this works uh, completely fine I think that in some cases or some occasion where it's really better to have a decentralized system would be connected to architecture uh, I'm gonna make an example you sell a condo you know and after that the people that live in that condo like they have different they have different flats different apartments and they have to have a sort of a management of the condo and they have to take right. decision and then after 30 years um i don't know sometimes happens okay we need to renovate the facade but some people say no because we don't have the money so if you yeah. basically to build an infrastructure as an architecture office where you sell say your client look 
um, not only we're going to design the condo, we're going to sell the apartments through NFTs. So the people who own apartment in the building all this NFT. And with that NFT, they can interact actual with the DAO, which will be managing the building. That that might be an idea, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, that that's to me what will be really interesting with our architecture. Like how does this stuff mix in and disrupts the real estate and the, the you know the way we build, the way we finance uh, projects and stuff like that. And I think there could be so many different ways that it could be affected. But yeah, I think some of those are gr- great examples of of what I see and what I see the true potential. And I think right now there's a lot of you know talk about crypto punks and stuff like that. But like it's kind of getting in the way of of what's really exciting. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. I can suggest you for also for the architect as a guest, uh, Fabio Palvelli. You can contact him. He's more moving around in the arch archivist realm, but he's also a lot of NFT, and he has, for example, cool. the, he organizes the biggest, um, uh, the biggest uh, conference for archivist. It's called a D two conference. And oh, they, yeah, yeah. they do a lot of uh, lives and they have a Discord. And I was watching one of their lives. And for example, for the next event, they are selling tickets, but you can buy also the ticket in an NFT form. And the NFT form of the ticket is way cheaper, um, cheaper than the normal ticket. And they're just a few. Uh, and they're doing that exactly to um, ease, like the, not to ease, but to, a little bit promote the idea of starting getting comfortable buying NFT and um, and so on. One thing I don't yeah. understand is how do you prove you just prove you have an NFT without, for example, like how do you see the wallet that you have an NFT? How do you like if because this is something that I don't get. Do you know this this thing or it, you you have talked to? I've not, I've not bought my own NFTs and stuff like that, but you have a, you know, I have cryptocurrency, for example, and you can see you have a wallet that has a unique key to it. Right. And you can see you are the current owner of X NFT or cryptocurrency and that kind of stuff, uh, which is usually done through a, a platform, right. Whether it's cryptocurrency and you have a Coinbase wallet or uh, you have an OpenSea account. Um, is it OpenSea, right? Um, yeah, yeah. For, for NFTs and you would be the owner, but but that also lives on the blockchain and you can see that you are the owner. Georgie was the owner before that and you sold it to me and I sold it to someone else and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, we we have been, we're learning a lot about it and, and we're thinking that us this year will be hitting the episode 100, hopefully with Bjorke, uh, working on that, trying to 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 chase, to chase him and to, to convince him um, to then create a sort of, we have to figure out what would be the system, but we want also to be more like a community where designers from different uh, fields like architecture, uh, photography, videography, graphic design, archivists share share knowledge or maybe work together on common projects, and we want to build that in some form of NFT NFT community and to make like hundred NFTs with the covers of each episode, and so you can yeah. go and and buy like I don't know you like Oliver was on episode thirty and you want to buy that NFT. Yeah, we've we've been thinking similar 
ways as a because now we're as we're moving to courses and things like that we're trying to think of how we can raise money to to hire other people to do courses and and like you know take architect network to the next level and could we nft our, our diagrams for example as a way to crowdfund uh you know future stuff so i think there's something in it i think the other thing you have to consider is like what i mean what platform you do it on um because you know like you can use more sustainable uh blockchains like tezos and stuff like that which i think is is super important everyone seems to just be creating nfts right now but it's it can be quite energy intensive <laughs> yeah if, yeah uh, i have to i have to look into it because i don't know the topic so well technically i know that all the people that are doing big stuff they have also a whole team that take care of the technical side and yeah um yeah so it's 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 an interesting uh an interesting i think it's the first uh big wave or that are experiencing as an adult because like uh when i heard the first time about bitcoin i was like 17 <laughs> so bro i didn't have the money the, the first time i heard about bitcoin they told me it's two thousand dollars and i was like whoa that's a lot and if i had bought like if i had had two thousand dollars to spend on a one bitcoin uh like uh now i would be <laughs> in a better yeah, in, a, in a better place <laughs> probably um and uh and this is the first time that I'm he hearing something. And when I talk to people, I see the people reaction. It's quite confused. They're like, uh, this is all bullshit. And I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah. That, that's good. It's not too late. Um, it's <laughs> not mainstream. So, so it's, it's gonna, I'm going to, I'm curious. I don't think um, in, in general, it's not, you know, not about the metaverse and NFTs and all that kind of stuff for architects. It's not too late at all. I think if anything, we're in a period where it's it may not be a bad thing to just step back a little bit and see what's going on and where the dust settles because you know everyone's like metaverse is a new hot subject and you know like people are like oh let's do this metaverse and and they don't really know what a metaverse actually you know like what it's going to do or like why why would people even go there it's like let's just create one and, <laughs> and i think it's we're in that like again that dot-com boom that the metaverse boom and the, the you know the nft boom and we'll see uh what comes out of it yeah i've heard some people predict in two three years it's gonna expand from just the gaming to more other like it's gonna become more common in other fields too um and another topic that's really interesting to me and i've been reading also lately there was an interview on the detail magazine about uh, architecture and science fiction and your office is involved uh, like the uh, big is involved more and more in in um in these projects for the moon and for the for the for mars um like have you been involved i think one of the people involved was on the archi architect network i missed that yeah. one but i'll catch it up on on youtube um so what it, what is going on there do you, what what can you tell us are we going to the moon soon <laughs> well yeah I, th I guess the the ambition is right but that that's not us that's uh elon and uh nasa and uh you know bezos they'll be the ones uh, going to the moon. But yeah, we've obviously um, 
I was involved in, in one of the projects and um, and we, we've had a couple of projects where uh, we're working with Icon 3D Printing, which is a super interesting company. Um, and, you know, we've been working with them on, on projects on Earth, on the moon and on Mars. Um, and I think, you know, the 3D printing space is super interesting. Um, there's some really great companies out there that, you know, 3D printing, I was a little bit skeptical a few years ago. Like, I don't think we'll be, you know, building buildings out of 3D printing anytime soon. But but actually, it's really moved on fast faster than I thought. Uh, Icon, for example, they can 3D print, uh, you know, concrete homes today. Uh, you've got companies like Branch Technology, which has this pretty awesome kind of way of printing uh, carbon uh polymer mesh uh you've got and i forget the name um mx something rather they just printed a 3d printed bridge in amsterdam that's made out of they can print in metal which is super interesting so i think 3d printing is really coming on and one of the reasons why it is coming on is because of this new race space race to the moon and to, to mars and and this kind of stuff so I think by by going and designing for these like extreme places and these these huge extreme challenges, it's it's expediting the progress for technology that we use here on Earth. Like a, a lot of you know, I've been asked a few times like why why are we spending time building for the Moon and, and Mars and stuff like that when we have so many kind of issues that we need to tackle here, but the the resources globally the resources like is very sort of small for how many people are working on these kind of things but the return on the advancement in technology filters down into everybody's life even you know technology that we're, we're using today um has come from you know nasa and their you know uh missions to the moon and, 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 you know, sending satellites up and all this kind of stuff. It creates technology that, that trickles down into, into real life. Um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, again, it's another really interesting thing. Uh, there's too many cool things going on. I, I think, you know, the architecture industry is, is evolving as well. Um, but yeah, I think 3d printing and the idea of, of printing in, uh, on, on the moon and Mars is is going to help advance the technology and you'll see it being used more and more uh, on planet Earth, which is an odd thing to say, right? <laughs> Actually, I've been on a um, convention here. One guy from ESA, which is the European Space Agency, was giving a speech in, in Frankfurt. And he said back then, that was like two, four or five years ago, he said every dollar that you spend on space technology because people are always complaining why do we go to mars it's so yeah. stupid it's like there we have so many problems so every dollar you spend there are two in return through this technology yeah. like there are some certain cameras for example now they use for detecting uh, wood fires or they are like there, there's so much that they they develop for a certain extreme situation and then they find applications in our in our daily life one like one very common is gps everybody has this gps yeah. and and right. and uh so 
it's uh, I think it's cool. But um, wh what is the how does it work? Like because it's a lot of collaborations. I get like it's very very collaborative with engineers uh, because like due to the extreme through the extreme yeah. uh, situation. And another so, thing I, I don't get through the 3D printing here on Earth is how do they do it? Like, because concrete needs steel usually uh, to be like, to be strong enough or um, like insulation and stuff like that. And it's all concrete. So how does, how does the two things well, look like? Yeah, it obviously depends. Um, you know, I don't know too much the details of, uh, or I can't spill too many of the details of, of the wall buildup and stuff like that. But like, you know, for Icon, for example, they can print a concrete structure, but it's, it's also hollow. So you can fill it with insulation. If you, if you want to fill it, you can put in rebar if you need to create uh, columns and beams and stuff like that. So it, it's not like a, com you know, completely um, finished thing. And the services as well go in and cut through, uh, the holes that are printed in it. Um, but of course, like, you know, eventually you'll get to a point where the printer itself will be printing multiple materials, like, you know, print concrete, it'll also print metal and, you know, um, you know, some kind of material for insulation and stuff like that. So it will evolve, but yeah, I think, uh, Icon, for example, they're building a lot in, uh, well, they're from, Texas, they're tech, you know company based in Texas, so they're building in Texas and, and Arizona, and that has a climate that uh, you know it works for fully concrete buildings, and you know you just create uh, insulation gaps in inside the walls. Uh, it it works in that climate because it's quite a hot, dry climate. So like it also depends where you're where you're printing these things, but. Um, I think, you know, the, the podcast we did with, uh, on space architecture with, um, with Julian, uh, it's one of my favorite because I, I really, you know, we got to see inside the office, like what, what they went through to, to create that project. And it's super interesting because, you know, um, again, I can't, I can't talk too much about it, but like the design of that project is really this beautiful combination of form and function and also realized through computation uh you know because when you're in you're building for space that there's not much extra stuff to to just you know oh that just makes the building look nice like everything has to perform a, a function and and the fact that it looked at the end of it it was quite a beautiful object i think is a really is a really cool example of that pure form and function uh, approach to architecture. And, you know, I think it's, I know that the teams work really closely with, with uh, you know, various experts and people from NASA to, to learn and understand about the environment and the challenges that you have to address when you're building on the moon and, and Mars and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, that goes into the project. And, and uh, I think, you know, someone said to me once that like as an architect you, you don't have to know everything right but you have to be able to understand and 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 uh quickly understand the, the problems and the results and the ways to overcome uh or come up with creative solutions to these problems right so it's not like the team are rocket scientists or 
space scientists or anything, but they can very quickly uh, learn about uh, the environment and, and the things that we need to do to tackle them. Also, I think people don't realize that like that it's just the NASA website alone has a ton of research papers and stuff like that, all for free that anyone can download and learn about space, uh, which is, again, I know the team spent a lot of uh, time at home reading through this stuff, but it's all free and it's all accessible for you to download. It's just not in a 30 second video these days. So like you people cannot, aren't interested. You cannot do a TikTok out of it. God damn yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, there must be a space uh, TikTokers or something. Yeah, they should do something like, uh, they should start to do that. Um, and w what what you have been experimenting yourself, uh, because uh, since we've talked, it's been a while and there, there, there is a time you've been posting a lot through your results with uh, uh, this augmented reality, virtual reality. Is this uh, another tool that uh, I've learned I don't know if you have uh, used this already uh, like I've had some people from the car design industry and they told me about 3D sketching and when they told me I was like what yeah. are you talking about and then I saw what it is and it's what, like I don't I haven't seen it used in architecture yet have you tried that too or what are the you mean like uh, in virtual reality you you draw and you draw, in, you, you draw yeah. and like and you have this uh, headset and you have like some joysticks and then you draw, they drew like cars and yeah. motorbikes. Yeah, yeah. There's one uh, plugin or, or what I've called Gravity Sketch, which is the one that's that you usually see people doing. Um, yeah, if, I mean augmented reality, virtual reality. It's it's uh, again it's tying into the metaverse and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, you know, virtual reality, for example, is already a pretty standard staple of an architecture office. I would say most architecture practices now have, you know, a VR headset and we're walking clients through it. We use it as an internal tool. I haven't seen as much people designing in it. Again, I'm a little bit skeptical of, of like, you know, I think often with, with architecture, you, it's hard to like, you don't want to be totally free. You still want like the snaps and snap into planes and things like that. And the ones that you usually see are, are just extremely free form. So it's a little more difficult to do, but um, we did test out Gravity Sketch. It was super fun, but I wasn't 100% convinced people would use it. But maybe that's just because, you know, we're not at a stage where every workstation has a little vr headset right so maybe in a few years like you'll be seeing looking at your screen and you put on the headset do this then you go back to your screen or something or maybe it's a it's it's the moment when you know apple come out with their glasses and there's like that you can look at the table and you see it in augmented reality and you you can play with it with your hands and it's you're in rhino at the same time and so Obviously, we've been experimenting with things like this, like Fologram and the HoloLens and stuff like that. And yeah, I think maybe as these these technologies develop and become more accessible, we'll see more people drawing and sketching in VR and AR and stuff like that. But it's definitely some something we've been experimenting with. And again, very applicable for what we do is 
we communicate how to how to design things by little 2D drawings, like, and we've done this for thousands of years, right? It's like, uh, and it, you know, the way it's done now is I make a drawing of how I want it to look, then you know I'm the facade designer, then I draw it again, and then pass it on to another person that's the contractor. He draws it again uh, and gives it to the client. You know, like. <laughs> It's this kind of pass the parcel of drawings. Whereas, you know, with augmented reality, you know, you literally just show someone how this thing is supposed to look, how it's assembled, how to construct it. Like, it's a very easy to understand. You you know, you can give a uh, an uh, a traditional bricklayer, uh, a HoloLens, and give them the ability to create some insane parametric wall. You don't need to go through and create a million sets of drawings and explain what each color code is, and then he's got to go and like measure the angle of each brick. Um, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality both gives us a new bandwidth to communicate this stuff. Like that might be the. That might be the step in between the Kuka robot putting the bricks, <laughs> having a human with a with a well, with yeah, like the IKEA instruction in and a headset. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and actually, I think that's more applicable because the whole I've never got into like the uh, robot construction kind of side of things. Obviously, super interesting. Again, another another thread to go down one day, but. Those, whenever I meet people that have spent a lot of time working with these robot arms, they, they, they have like this dead look in their eyes because they're just so, like those robots are like, they're, they're not intelligent, right? So you have to tell it exactly what to do and move this thing, right? So if something is not exactly in the right position and on a construction site, that's uh, easily done. Something gets knocked out of place or it gets like bumped into or it has to be calibrated again. Uh, it, it's it's just not a great uh, technology for an, an ever adapting space, like, an, like a, a construction site. Whereas, you know, by adding components like the HoloLens and stuff like that, you could see a new generation of, of, of you know, on-site construction workers that are, are maybe not big, burly dudes making brick walls. It's like, you know, a, a new younger generation of people assembling objects like a giant IKEA set um, and playing with Lego as we speak. And, you know, it's just like, you know, instructions on how to put things together, right? So um, I think there's something more in empowering people to build through augmented reality and virtual reality rather than robots coming on and you know robot bricklayers and stuff like that i think um we just need to you know figure out how to what will be the what will be the boundary between this virtual reality and the actual reality because we can see how, for example, social media, where the virtual reality of of um, 
of our of our society when web 2.0 started and and in the beginning facebook was a funny place to go and find old friends and and uh, i don't know a schoolmate that you haven't seen for a while or to see who has ended up where and then they slowly turned algorithm in this like hook where it's it first was just you would see for example the post in a um just in the order of time the things were chronological order and then um they slowly com- transition to make this this machine for hooking people on and and i think here is this experience this trauma from from this social media which is now more and more like i mean kind of you cannot avoid it but you would like to avoid because it has also the great asset that you have the chance to reach people that otherwise you wouldn't reach but on the other side it has this downside that you're not owner of your content you so it will be interesting to see how we as humanity will define the boundaries between built and unbuilt that will be very it it sounds like a black mirror episode future yeah yeah. (laughs) it does feel like we're heading towards some epic uh event in in human civilization but uh yeah it's gonna be interesting uh one personal curiosity i have it's last time i mean now you said you've been not so much uh you've been settling down in london but how is going the the jiu-jitsu in the pandemic times can you manage yes. to 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 practice some or you had to stop for a while because i don't think you can keep any social distancing <laughs> when you yes. jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah i think since we last started i've not trained but i did just join the gym last week uh which has jiu-jitsu so i'm gonna be getting back into it uh, I just went a bit, I went a bit crazy my first week on the weights, uh, and I just like almost burnt myself out a little bit, but so yeah, I'm going to start training this week actually. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one because it's, it is the anti social distancing sport. <laughs> like, yeah. You're, yeah, it's, it's not great for a pandemic, but, um, yeah, no, I've been missing it. Obviously I've been kind of super busy with things, but getting back into it now and uh but in england now it's everything it's uh off like uh you you guys from what i've heard on the news you guys have no any sort of restriction no mask no vaccination yeah. passport I mean, we we've gone for no rules but it doesn't mean covid is not everywhere <laughs> like <laughs> just like yeah everyone's no at christmas as well it's like everyone seemed to be getting it and yeah Every, 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 like when England introduced the, the UK introduced the basically no rules rule, uh, I was like, okay, it's obvious that it's because of the apartment scandal and stuff like that, that they did these parties at the prime minister, right. uh, the, what is called Downing Street. Uh, but then yeah. Den- Denmark did it too. And I was like, okay, but then Danish people seems a little bit more legit. Maybe it's a little, maybe, <laughs> maybe people are getting sick, but they're not sick so badly. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that was the logic of Denmark. They said, um, that, that it wasn't severe and that that's why they kind of went full ball. But um, yeah, we're in a weird one because we're like, everything is open. You can go to the gym. We're, we're back at work right now. So 
but the numbers are still quite high but you know, i've never we'll i've never been like uh in in uh working from home because um i've been always working for offices that somehow said yeah we yeah. should we should stay in the office and like keep oh, really? keep uh, distance like and wear mask when we leave the the our place and maybe have lunch not all together or if we lunch if we have lunch open the windows and um some people got sick there was no like a big wave but i've managed somehow to always like avoid it so far and um yeah. and i'm like honestly if it's not so bad i in my opinion uh, we should uh, we should slowly start to reopen because people i notice friends and other people that i know that they're getting really like mm, scared of being in a room with other people or taking down yeah. your mask that's a little bit tricky yeah i think it'll be yeah it would be interesting to see where we are by the summer and what's going to happen this year but yeah right now we're here in the uk we're fully uh fully open <laughs> open for business <laughs> <laughs> that's cool well Oli, it's very cool talking to you and uh, as you know you're always welcome to come back and i'm looking forward to be hearing the some of the past episodes that i've missed on the architect network and to hear the next one you know that we've end up always the episode with this uh, sort of a positive tone by asking our guests uh, if you can suggest some uh, movie book podcast something that you've been consuming in the in the in the last few months or so that has gotten you pumped up or inspired to do something to take action movie or book um, it can be a podcast you know uh, can be anything can be also yeah. your favorite episode of the architect network but that would be a tricky <laughs> one because all the other people that have been there will tell you why did you say my episode <laughs> yeah actually there's gonna be some good there's some good ones i mean uh, like like we talked about the space one the space one is a great one uh we also gonna release this week uh blockchain one which has got loads of cool stuff so since we talked about the blockchain otherwise i've been Uh, just because I've been so busy moving and all that kind of stuff, I've not had much extra time, but um, I've been well into uh, climbing documentaries and stuff like that. I don't know why. And after like the 14 peaks on Netflix, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was like one of my favorite recently. So I'm going to choose something non-architectural 14 peaks uh, on Netflix is super good to watch. Um, otherwise I'm, I'm like, like i'm a comedy uh i'm a comedy guy like watch peep show or the office and that kind of stuff just constantly running in the background man. so like yeah i'll put it on there i'll work here and just Wh which version of the office the british or the american well i have to go with the british man i mean the british was like it was what started everything but the american is incredible as well like it, you can't you know they're both masterpieces but um yeah i gotta go with the british one uh, you're very diplomatic i in the same tone uh, lately i've watched with uh, ricky gervais the um, the movie special reporters yeah. really funny 
Uh, I don't know if you've watched that one that they have to go to some South American dictatorship country which is turning into like a war zone but they missed a flight so they hide in an apartment right next to their radio and they send them like fake audio files (laughs) from the war so it's really good and is one of my favorites so and, and the other one that's really like really really funny for me i don't know if people are gonna like it it's the the superstore cloud nine also on netflix it's uh um some one of those short comedy but it's a, a little bit dimensional it's about these people in the u.s that work in this superstore this huge store and it's really really funny oh I cool can, I I can to check that out. yeah i'm more of a listen in the background comedy tv that, show that's a good one it's, it helps me uh, come down and, and like chill. Great, Oli. So thank you very much and uh, hope to be hearing yeah. from you soon. Thank you so much for, for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to number three in, a, in another year. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. Yeah. Then have a good weekend and uh, have fun later on the other podcast. And bye bye. All right. Thanks, man. Hey there, thank you very much for listening to this podcast and you have made it so far. Don't forget to follow all our content on Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube where you'll be able to see some videos and a full video podcast. And also don't forget to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so that you can get everything about the Creative Insider and the latest news from the podcast. Just check the links below and thank you very much for listening again. Bye bye and have a good week.